Hello, buddies, fellow Franco fans. Coming to you today from the south side of Weird City, I am your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, Sacramento-based filmmaking company. Uh, Getting ready to uh, get some films together for 2021, writing a whole handful of scripts. And uh, since doing this podcast, I've been uh, inspired by the uh, writing bug again. Uh, actually, before I started the podcast, but but yeah, I've got about four or five uh, story treatments right now I'm working on at the same time. So yeah, definitely got the Franco um, simpatico with him. Um, as uh, yeah, like 12, I think was his record in that one year. It was like pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, this is uh, episode 20, and we're doing film 80, Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun, uh, which is a very beautiful film. Um Shot. Checking the mic, sorry. Anyway, the recorder's good. Okay, so yeah, this is a really beautiful film. Um, and uh, this is episode 20 and uh, film 80. Uh, this is uh, another Erwin C. Dietrich production. Um, and this is, uh, grab my notes here, film 12 of 16th that we review in the Dietrich collection. Um, Next episode will be episode 21, where I do uh, The Other Side of the Mirror, and I might be watching The Obscene Mirror as well, which is the X-rated cut of that film. Uh, That's going to be with a special Zoom guest from L.A., a first-time guest, um, and might have a few more new guests, too, coming up the pipeline in 2021. Uh, Some people have been reaching out to me, uh, some new friends, some old friends, so yeah, and some new Franco fans, or not new Franco fans, but new friends of mine, new people I've been meeting um, from doing the podcast, so that's always a really cool thing. I've had some uh, <clears throat> listeners reach out to me from uh, over in uh, Great Britain and um, in Norway and a bunch of cool areas and stuff, so it's uh, really, really cool, actually quite a few in Great Britain. And um, yeah, we have, we have a good global audience with this podcast, and that thing really really thrills me because I'm coming to you, you know, obviously weird city, but uh, yeah, that's uh, California, which actually is a weird state, um, weird state of mind especially. So that fits this podcast and just Franco films. And I've been putting out the Franco uh, Observer podcast on Wednesdays and uh, here in America we call that hump day because it's the middle of the week. And there's always a lot of humping going on in Jess Franco films, so I figured I'd put the hump day in uh, Franco podcast day. And speaking of hump day, there is a lot of humping going on in this film, uh, Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun. That's a nice segue there. Um, This is um, the U.S.-U.K. DVD video cover title is Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun. The the original theatrical title in the country of origin, um, Switzerland and West German, the alternative title is Jungfrau on Tessafels Hand, West German alternate theatrical title, uh, which is uh, translates to Virgins in the Devil's Hand. Um, Cartes de Amor a una Monja Portuguesa, the Spanish theatrical title, Love Letters of Two, a Portuguese Nun. Uh, Belgian-French theatrical title as well. Um, the Monastery of a Thousand Passions is the Finnish theatrical video title. Ton Hans Himogen 
Lustari, um, let's see, Monastery of a Thousand Passions, which is kind of cool. Um, Lujun Bavna Pisma Kolodersk, Yugoslavian Theatrical Love Letters of, a nun, of Nuns, uh, The Monastery of a Thousand Pleasures, the Switzerland theatrical title, De Tusen Passion or Nas Klosten, Argentina Theatrical Forbidden Confessions of a Nun, um, Italian Theatrical Forbidden Confessions of a Teenage Nun, Forbidden Confessions of a Teenage Nun. That's such a great 50s title. You know, that's 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 cool. It also sounds like a John Waters title, too. Forbidden Confessions of a Teenage Nun. Um, Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun, the Australian poster. Um, Mini Breven van in Nun. Uh, Netherland title, Love Letters of a Nun. Portugal video cover. Okay. So... Um, Production companies on this uh, Cinemissi film of uh, Berlin, um, Zvitz Film Productions KG, uh, Ascot Films GmbH and Company, Theatrical Distributors Avis Film Verlein, and Ascot Films uh, Switzerland West Germany, uh, Blake Films out of Australia, uh, World Sales Elite Films AG out of Zurich. All right, the timeline on this. Um, so yeah, let's see, it started with the shooting in Portugal from November 8th to the 27th, so roughly about 19 days there. Um, let's see, in 1976, uh, sh- and uh, it got the German 18 uh, certificate um, issued on March 7th of 77, and it played in Germany on March 10th of 77, uh, played Naples uh, December 23rd of 1977, and then it played Rome um, in August 4th of 78. And, well, that's interesting. So, yeah, Naples, December, and then basically uh, eight eight months later, played Rome. Uh, then in September, played um, Seville, uh, 27th of 78. And then Barcelona, October 2nd, 78. And uh, Mercia, October 2nd, 78 as well. And then a year later, or I'm sorry, like three months later, January 10th in Madrid, 1979. Um, and then it says, UK, it was going to play in February 6th in 1979, but it was rejected by the BBFC, so it did not play in UK. Um, then they played Lisbon in November 15th of 1985. Wow, that's funny, like six years later. Uh, let's see here. Uh, theatrical running time, West Germany, 85 minutes, 5 seconds. Blu-ray running time, Ascot Elite, 89 minutes, 9 seconds. Uh, director course is Jess Franco. Screenplay, Erwin C. Dietrich as Manfred Greger. Executive producer, Max Dora. Director of photography, Peter Baumgartner. Uh, production manager, Eduardo A. Stokely as Edward A. Stokely. Uh, location manager... David Quintans, uh, editor Marie Luis Bushke, sound Hubertus Schematki, Klaus Kunzmuller, dialogue Christine Lembeck, music Walter Baumgartner, uh, Cinemac Zitvet Film Productions KG, Ascot Elite 
GmbH and Company production released by Avis Film for like Escott World Sales Elite Film AG. Uncredited story Jess Franco, producer Erwin C. Dietrich, art director David Quintas, stills Juan Solar Cozar. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Cast uh, Susan Hemingway as Maria, Marie, Rosalia, Quintinho. William Berger as Father Vincent, Anna Zanati as Mother Alma, the Abbess and Eminent Priestess, Herbert Fox as Satan, Adia Vargas as Ada Cargus, played sister Juana, uh, Victor Mendez as Mayor Antonio Fernando Cuesa de Melo, Herman Jose as Herman Cripahal, Prince Manuel or Prince Emmanuel Gonzalez, Jose Viana as Monsieur Crispo. Uh, let's see. Uh, Patricia De Silva as Maria's mother. Uncredited Ada Guevara as Isa Schneider. Uh, Victor De Souza and Quisner's assistant. Nicolai Brainer, the Prince Chaperone. Uh, yeah, and then early uh, later on we talk about... Um, it has... Um, Esther Studer is built in this film, but... Uh, They'd say that Esther Studer is a torture victim in the film, presumably in the dream sequence or in the background of Maria's waking torture scene. However, none of these women look like Studer to me, and myself and Eric as well add to that list. Uh, IMDb list Anton Differing as Old Priest. That is incorrect. Differing is not in the film, but he is in the film Faceless, of course, uh, which we talk about in episode 18. Uh, so it was kind of interesting about that. Um, so yeah, the review on this by, um, Stephen Thrower, Flowers of Perversion. Of course, everybody owns that book. If not, you should. Uh, it says basically, this is superficially at least one of Jess Franco's classiest pictures with a thoughtful script, sober camera work, hordes of extras in period dress, and a suitable 18th century inflected score. Underneath the trappings, however, it's as perverse and twisted as ever. Poker face sobriety and studied elegance frame a morbidly satirical, almost Bunnellian attack on Catholic Catholicism, or Catholicism, uh, elaborated for the most part with clarity and concentration. Production terms were a long way from the shoddiness of recent throwaways like white skin and black thighs, instead like Jack the Ripper. Love Letters of Portuguese Nun shows what Franco is capable of when he's given some decent money and the chance to take a little time on a project. But while improved financing is certainly a factor in ensuring that Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun looks so beautiful, it's not just money that distinguishes this movie. It's also that Franco give it his full attention. Framing and composition is exquisite. And Baumgartner's lighting rises to the occasion, too, vindicating Dietrich's decision to team him up with Franco. Baumgartner's professionalism can sometimes veer toward merely conventional, but there are shots in this film that would not disgrace John Alcott or Vilmos Zygmunt. So what was the increased effort and focus down to Franco's passion for the project? I'm sorry. So was this increased effort and focus down to Franco's passion for the project, or was it due to Dietrich's hawk-like monitoring of exactly what the director was getting up to on location. After the troublesome events of 1975, from there on, Dietrich dispatched a trusted observer to monitor Franco's location shooting 
as it's striking that for one remainder of Franco's tenure with elite films, there were no more back pocket films, no unfinished works or Manicoa productions, and thus no division of the director's attention. So yeah, that, that's an interesting way to look at it too, that, uh, you know, if you stay focused on something and just put your attention onto that one thing, whatever it is, if, like, say you're a filmmaker, you just do your one film, or if you're a writer, you just do your one story, which I myself do five or six, so I should, you know, learn from this as well, that, um, you know, you probably do a little bit of a better job if you just take all your energy and direct it into one thing compared to, you know, taking it and dividing it among other, you know, five, six things, whether it's shows or, 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 um, paintings or whatever you know jobs or whatever it is you know um the the divided energy so yeah that's that's interesting way to to um feel about that so yes uh, absolutely love letters of a portuguese nun is a well-rounded production beautifully executed and worthy of high praise um it says um so yeah the also to the image of satan in this film is funny um it says that uh having a textbook Satan show up halfway through the film to rape the heroine at a black mass dressed in red stretch fabric and chuckling cartoonishly with a penis jutting from his forehead. Uh, the personal appearance by Lucifer comes whizzing out of left field. There's no supernatural element elsewhere, no sense that the world of devils and angels has any bearing on reality. The thrust of the story is to do with the foolishness of religion and the hypocrisy of Catholic tradition with its sadomasochistic mortification of the flesh posturing as abstinence from desire. Uh, the manifestation of the devil stands out like a metaphysical sore thumb, as comical and illogical as the phallic appendage on his bonus. We are left to assume that he's either real, various nuns look on as amazement when he appears, or else a fragment of Maria's tortured imagination, a demon summoned up in her mind's eye as she's raped by someone posing as the devil, while all around her collide in the deception, included in the deception. Susan Hemingway, who racked up seven performances for Franco between this and Voices of Death, which or Voices of Death or Voice of Terror, 1983, which is actually unreleased, uh, makes for an immediate splash as the virginal naif around whom lecherous religious lunatics gather like horny hyenas. She perfectly conveys the character's uncomprehending innocence, foolish stubbornness, and masochistic acceptance of suffering bringing to the screen the qualities Franco had been praying for when making Justine a decade before. Controversially, it turns out that she was, as they say, barely legal at the time of shooting. As a result, the film was banned for theatrical release in the UK and cut for DVD release. Hemingway is stripped, tied up, and tortured on the rack, and in the piste de resistance, receives the aforementioned red-suited devil into her rare sanctum. This is conveyed, however, through camera placement and suggestion, not porno close-ups. Contemporary laws in Spain, Germany, Switzerland, and Portugal, I think that covers it, were not transgressed, so Franco wasn't doing anything wrong. But it's an eye-opener for viewers in English-speaking countries, where actresses like Susan George were considered jailbait at 20, and team films like Norman Thaddeus Vane's Twinkie, 1970, were pushing the boundaries. In one episode... I'm sorry, in one especially transgressive moment, Maria 
dreams of being compelled to orally service her older cousin, a scene which ends for the briefest of flash frames with a splash of stage semen across her face. That this dream occurs as Maria sleeps fitfully with the with the thorns of penis wrapped around her bare torso stresses once again that the Catholic obsession with mortification of the flesh pushes desire into whatever route it can find expression. The film bats away at any possible accusation of gratuitous by virtue of its rigorous attack on the Christian mindset's distortion of eroticism. Its adroit, its adroit combination of levitious detail and anti-clerical rhetoric makes this one of Franco's most impressive and coherent dramas. Uh, cast and crew. More than, more than ever, any more than any other Franco film of the period, Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun is blessed with fantastic central performances. William Berger is truly extraordinary as the rotten and respacious Father Vincent, lending the film a dangerous, malevolent edge while also smuggling a twisted sense of fun into the mix. Such a role is a gift to the right actor, and Berger is having a blast playing this lonesome, this loathsome man. His blasé manipulation of Maria's mother, his corrupt masturbatory behavior in the confessional box, and his ruthless self-interest as he forces the quivering Maria to perform oral sex make Father Vincent one of the most pungent, wicked, and memorable characters in Franco's cinema. Yeah, I, I would say that as well. I was really really thought his performance was especially strong uh definitely uh one of my favorite uh performers in any franco film burger already a franco veteran after the sinister eyes of orlock and night of the assassins would go on to lend his imitable screen magnetism to a marvelous late bloom in franco's career uh dirty player casablanca or dirty games casablanca 1984 this film marks the debut of a very pretty starlet called Susan Hemingway, not her real name, who had just turned 16 as filming commenced. In a German magazine from the late 70s, Dietrich's regular production manager, Werner Zindler, recalled that Susan's father was obsessed with the idea of turning the barely 16-year-old into an international star. Susan, however, was not so keen on the idea and left her angry father behind in Lisbon choosing her own projects and hooking up with Franco instead. After making six films for him, all of them shot in Portugal, she left the film industry, having found herself a Brazilian multimillionaire husband. So yeah, that's the story of her. Uh, the rest of the cast were drawn ch chiefly from TV and theater rather than cinema. Uh, the film marks the beginning of Franco's long association with cameraman and stills photographer Juan Soler. Music. Walter Baumgartner excels here with some lavish orchestral string arrangements. The ironic grandeur of his mock liturgical title music is particularly memorable. Location: uh, Love Letters of Portuguese Nun may be shot on actual. Sorry, Love Letters of Portuguese Nun may be short on actual love letters, a letter to her mom and a letter to God, being all that Maria actually pens. But the film itself is a love letter of sorts to Portugal, to Portuguese architecture, and in particular to Franco's favorite architectural locations. The Palacio Gonde Castro Guimarães in Cascais. Several scenes were shot in Lisbon Cathedral. Yeah, Lisbon Cathedral's beautiful. That's one place I would love to visit. 
uh, UK theatrical release, rejected by the BBFC on February 6, 1979, cut by 6 minutes 15 seconds for its Anchor Bay DVD release in 2004. Alright, so yeah, this was a uh, good film. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I said the next episode will be Other Side of the Mirror. And then the next film in the Dietrich and uh, Franco collaboration that we'll be doing will be uh, film 13 of 16 for us. Uh, and that will be the Blue Rita. Um, but yeah, but I won't talk about that. That's for a future episode. Uh, you can get a hold of us at FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. You can find us on Instagram at FrancoObserverPodcast. We have a page there. Please add us and uh, send us messages and uh, let us know that you listen. And also, please tell your friends and subscribe to the podcast and download all the episodes you want. Please download. It's a good way for us. It builds our numbers. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, yeah. Uh, I think... Uh, I think there's a trailer for this. If I have a trailer for this, I'll play it. Uh, if not, you'll we'll just hear the bumper music and then go into the fun review Eric and I did. We did about about a half hour or so on uh, Love Letters of Portuguese Nut. Eric really liked it. I really liked it too. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much and adios. Dieser Film kennt keine Tabuzone. Komm, Satan. Ein Aufschrei gegen die Unterdrückung der weiblichen Wünsche dieser Mädchen, die mit entbehrenden Lippen schweigen und die Wahrheit über das Erwachen ihres Körpers nicht erfahren sollen. Komm! Mit Lüsternheit und infamer List wird die sinnliche Lust bekämpft. Ich muss mit deiner Mutter sprechen. Bist du noch jungfräulich? Dann spreize die Beine. Sie weiß es wohl selber nicht genau. Ein kleines Söhnchen werdet ihr im Sparkstrom fahren. Die Kirche ist arm. Hochwürden, wir sind noch ärmer. Nur unter den sanften Flügen der Äbtissin von Serata Iris kann die Seele eurer Tochter gerettet werden. Ja. Höllenfürst, ich will dir diesen Sohn gewähren. Ah! Du hast die Frucht des Teufels ausgestoßen, Mutter Tissin. Teufelsglaube und Hexenbahn werden innerhalb der Klostermauern zu erotischen Zwangsvorstellungen und verwirren ein kindhaftes Mädchen so sehr, dass sie Träume und Wirklichkeit nicht mehr unterscheiden kann. Das habe ich schon gebeichtet, dass der Vetter wollte, dass ich mich vor ihm hinken. Und dann hast du es in der Zunge berührt. Aber das war im Traum. Gewiss war es das nicht. Was habt ihr, Vater Vinzenz? Ist euch nicht wohl? Wer sündig muss bestraft werden. Noch nie sind mit so schonungsloser Offenheit sadistische Freuden und heimliche Begierden gezeigt worden. Nicht zu euch, Herr Vetter. Gern. Gelobt sei Jesus Christus, Don Antonio. Da bringe ich das verlorene Schäfle. Du empfängst nur Güte und wolltest fliehen. Nein! Vetter hast du dich nicht gewählt. Sie sei dein Satan. Wilde Zeremonien entfachen tiefe Leidenschaften in diesen Mädchen, die durch die Inbrunst der Entsagung gelernt haben, die Inbrunst der körperlichen Liebe zu suchen, für die sie mit der Folter büßen müssen. Oh, oh, oh. die Zange! Gestehst du, dass du vom Teufel besessen bist? Nun? Ja! Sie ist eine Hexe und eine Buhlerin des Teufels. Sie entzieht sich der Gnade unserer Kirche. In nomine sancte inquisitionis verurteilen wir dich, Marie Coutinho, zum Tode auf dem Scheiterhaufen. Thank you.
Weder die Hand des Henkers noch die Ketten der Inquisition oder die Klauen des Teufels können sie hindern, ohne Scham und Treue zu lieben. Auseinander im Namen seiner allerchristlichen Majestät des Prinzen von Portugal. Dort stehen die Schuldigen. Jagt sie und ergreift sie. Sie sind meine Gefangenen. Dieser Film zeigt das dramatische Schicksal von Menschen, die gefangen sind im Irrgarten der Lust. going on hello buddies hello fellow franco fans hello worshipers of uncle jess hello all earthlings in between everywhere we see i am your host jason rudy from desperate visions productions and i am joined today with my co-host mr eric whitwell hey hey what is it fawns <laughs> speaking of the fawns it's really weird on a side note why the fawns had his office in the men's bathroom have you ever thought about that? Man, I have never thought about that. Yeah, I think about it, he says, you know, step into my office, and he'd go in the bathroom, and it was like his office was in the bathroom. So, like, and then he had a desk in there, too, and stuff. It was like he was sitting there while guys were taking a shit or whatever. Like, why would he hang out in the men's room all day? Like, that was his office. Wow, that's a, I have never thought about that. What a creep. <laughs> I know. Fonzie <laughs> hangs out in the fucking men's room Fonzie's all day. is a pervert. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dude, come on, step in my office. <laughs> no, it stinks in there. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a nasty thing. So, yeah, Fawns hangs out in men's restroom in the 50s, and uh, well, guys are in there just dropping logs and everything else. So, yeah, so the more it makes you think. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. So, anyway, hey. Yeah, I, I won't be doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jason, come step in my office. <laughs> hey, you know, the Fawns is still the coolest guy, so I can take away from the Fawns. But uh, speaking of the Fawns, Jess Franco's like the Fawns. He's like ultra cool. I don't know if he hangs out in men's restrooms, but hangs out in women's restrooms probably and films it. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a fun episode. We're already off to a rolling start. Uh, so this is uh, uh, film number 80, and it's Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun, directed by the mighty Jess Franco. Uh, this was film 12 of 16 from Erwin C. Dietrich and Jess Franco. Uh, we have basically four more to go to review. Um, this is made in 1976, and uh, Love Letters of Portuguese Nun in the introduction um, gave you the title and all the release dates and all that good stuff. So um, on this, we're going to go to the synopsis, and then uh, we're going to talk about uh, Eric's thoughts and then my review and all that good stuff like we don't really go. And this is actually a shorter synopsis compared to the last few, so... Uh, let's see. Medieval Portugal. A young peasant girl called Maria Rosalia attracts the attention of a priest, Father Vincent, who spies her kissing her boyfriend in the woods. He drags her home, declares her a grievous sinner, swindles her mother out of her life savings, and takes her to the local convent on the pretense of saving her soul. However, the convent run by Mother Alma is actually a satanic coven with whom Father Vincent is in league. Maria becomes the focus of various sordid activities, including oral sex, mortification of the flesh, and eventually rape by Satan himself. She tries to escape the convent, but is brought back to her tormentors by the mayor. Maria writes a letter to her mother, begging to be removed from the convent, but it's interrupted by one of the nuns. Her case is put before the Grand Inquisitor, 
Father Vincent and Mother Alma convince him that Maria is a liar and a heretic. After being stripped, beaten, and tortured, Maria is declared a witch and sentenced to be burned at the stake. On the eve of her destruction, she writes a letter to God, proclaiming her faith and throws it from the window of her cell. It's picked up by a passing nobleman, but will he do anything to help? So, <clears throat> Eric Whitwell, what did you think about the film? It's To say that I really liked it is a... It doesn't even do it justice. Um, it's... Oh my gosh, man, that poor girl. Like, that, this movie, like, it, yeah, oh my gosh. Um, it, once again, uh, beautifully shot, the location's mind-blowing just gorgeous absolutely gorgeous um the his female lead once again just absolutely nails her role yeah susan hemingway um this is her first franco film and we i was looking at her imdb um profile when uh, i was watching this film and it only has seven credits to her and i guess this was her first credit so if this is her first film that's a really fucking good debut oh my god yeah she's very believable and very uh very innocent and looks very young and and uh total emotion and just you know very believable in the role that she's played oh yeah every every aspect yeah so innocent and young and just you could see the fear in her eyes you can see like there's a the moment like where she decides to write the the letter to god you could just see like she had this this moment of uh oh god what's the, i can't even think of the word right now um like a moment of divine inspiration or rapture like relief like Like a relief like she's like like it's almost like she's like okay i'm okay now right like Like, yeah like she finally found penance with her she's finally okay with her fate that was bestowed upon her you know yeah she did that with a simple look you know what i mean and it was just yeah it's she was incredible she's absolutely incredible yeah this had a lot of really really great acting in it um uh, like Eric was talking about the direction and there's so much to talk about on this. Um, Susan Hemingway, of course, as Maria, she was really great. Um, William Berger played father Vincent and I was a really fan of his. He does a lot of cool, like side looks and acts a lot with gestures and very subtle gestures. But, uh, he, 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 he kind of chooses scenery. I mean, he, but every scene he's in, he definitely, his presence is felt you know that's a creepy priest man yeah he is a creepy priest even from the beginning when you first see him watching him and her uh, the 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 uh, susan and her boyfriend and then he kind of like disappears behind the tree even the way his body turns like out of the frame is kind of weird yes very slinks out you know um and then anna zanati as mother alma she was really good in this i thought oh yeah emotionless totally good heel like she does not care like she's when she's torturing women she has not even like a yeah even a look of and she always kept her gaze upon the susan like she would just sit there and watch her and just never look away from her and the camera would just show her eyes on her the whole time and usually in a film you kind of see and then they look away but this kept that shot of her like drinking something and just keeping that stare not looking away like fixated on her and and she portrayed that really well in a lot of the scenes you know um but yeah she she was really really a good heel in this um herbert fox as satan was <laughs> i thought very laughable um, yeah, i never really wanted to see a herbert fox's uh cum face yeah I mean, like i've never really wanted to see how he looks when he's humping 
Yeah, you know, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the devil in films, and I've, I've played the devil in a film of mine, actually. Uh, uh, the Batgirl, I played the Satan himself, and uh, the Satan in this was very laughable. Um, the sequence where he appears is almost their take, I think, on Rosemary's Baby, the uh, impregnation scene in that where everybody's gathered around. Um, that I mean, the scene in this was really good besides him as the devil, I thought. Um the women, the older women and everybody flashing their boobs and, and all the different ages and everybody into it. And the whole throng of it was pretty scary and, and a really well done, but I don't know him as him as the devil. I thought was just pretty joking, but I don't know. Maybe I didn't see something I wasn't supposed to see, but I don't know. I, I wasn't a fan of it. Um, Ada Vargas as Ada Cargan, uh, sister Joanna, uh, Victor Mendez as the mayor, Antonio Ferdinand, He's great. I always love seeing Victor Mendez in this. Uh, the dubbing on him was really funny, though. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like the guy was that was dubbing the dubbing of him was almost like he was kind of like, uh, "Hey, you know what I'm talking about here? Uh, I'm going to talk to you." And <laughs> you know. what do you keep calling her, sister? Or like um, little sister. Hey, little sister. Yeah, hey, little sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was like a wrestler. Hey, little sister. I'm going to tell you something, brother. You know. Yeah, and his green outfit, man. He looked like a, a tomato. Yeah, a tomato. Was, yeah. <laughs> Just round. This guy's like <laughs> five foot three and maybe like four hundred and something pounds, and he, and, he, and he's just you know he's got like well I guess eh, he's got an enormous double chin and, and everything, and and uh, yeah, it's just the way they have him dressed in this is so funny. Is you know, and he has uh, yeah, it's just they have him like this little green, really hemmed in outfit, you know. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always happy when I see him, though. Yeah, yeah. Whenever <laughs> he comes on the screen, I'm always like, okay, yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see him coming down the stairs, and he plays the mayor. It's like, all right, there he is. There's there's Victor <laughs> Mendez. Um, but yeah, he's 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 really awesome. Um, and then we have uh, Herbert Jose as uh, Father Manuel. Um, see who else really stood out in this? Uh, Maria's mother, Patricia da Silva. Um, it says here that, uh, yeah, it says that, so we looked, it had Dagmar Buger, Esther Studer as two of the uh, uh, nuns in this, but we could not find them. But then it says, um, Ellen Petit's Just Franco book states that Esther Studer is a torture victim in the film, presumably in the dream sequence or in the background of Maria's waking torture scene. However, none of these women look like Studer to me. That's what we thought, too. We were yeah. really looking. Uh, IMDb last lists Anton Differing as old priest, as incorrect. Anton Differing is not in this film. Anton Differing was in the last film that I spoke about, Faceless, and he's awesome as Dr. Moser in that. So, um, yeah, that's that's interesting. But, yeah, so Anton Differing is definitely not in this film. Um but yeah, so yeah, so that's good. That's kind of answered the question because we were looking for Esther Studer and did not see her in this. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, let's talk about Eric with the film. Um, the exteriors, let's go for like first. The exteriors were all really cool. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple shots I he have a couple locations I saw before and Dark Dimarkiv on Saad and uh, and some of his other things. Um, there's uh, probably going over the Franco checklist. Um, there's a body of water in this. Fortunately, uh, the time this takes place um, uh, in sixteen nineteen, I guess it was. Or uh, actually, when, when was this take took place? Eighteenth uh, uh, century, so seventeen hundreds. So yeah, so there was uh, no sailboat in this for that. <laughs> um, 
dance scene. I don't. There's no dance scene in this. No, there's definitely no, no, dance no dance scene. No club scene. Definitely no dancing in this uh, movie. <laughs> there is a palm tree. Uh, was I was happy tree. about that. Uh, jungle sound effects. No. Uh, no sheepskin rug. Okay, now here's a point of controversy. Masturbation with a C item. Uh, C item in this could be the crucifix or the cross. And there is no penetration with the masturbation. They do uh, fondle the cross and treat it like a penis and kiss it and head dangle it and do certain things. So... I don't know. It's borderline. It's kind of a stretch. Yeah. Kind of a stretch. Oh. We were really hoping for it, though. Yeah, yeah. Where I was like, okay, just <laughs> take that and move it somewhere, and then we'll check, check it off the checklist. But, yeah, that didn't happen. Also, too, my I had a, um, a theory um, uh, came across about a week or two ago. I forgot to mention it. So with these um, Erwin C. Dietrich films, uh, Erwin C. Dietrich, he, of course, he emphasizes the C in his name. Um, we counted like masturbation scenes in like four or five of the films, all with a C item. The uh, let's see again. Uh, Goddamn, forgot cigarette, cigarette, candle. champagne bottle, candle, cucumber, and I think one other one. Um, uh, yeah, so those, and then and then the, the claw, the hand, the claw. Uh, <laughs> That's right. So I was wondering if like since they're all C items, which is an odd thing that Erwin C. Dietrich, if that was like a little inside joke, if Franco decided to like do C items as like a thing to him or what, I don't know. It's either an homage or a fuck you to him. I don't know. I don't know. I just, <laughs> sometimes I read into things, but I just kind of was putting all the C's together and Erwin C. Dietrich popped up and I was like, Hey, C plus C equals hmm, conspiracy or theory. Uh, red lights. Uh, well, of course there's no electric lights in this, just all candlelight and such, but there's, a cool scene where the lights reflect off the red beds. Oh, there's red beds in this too, which is different. There's red red sheets on the bed, which is cool. Um, and of course, over the last few episodes, I added a, a new one to the list, a chained up woman, or, or a chained up woman. And of course, on the cover of the DVD is the chained up woman's, uh, and there's quite a few chained up in this, you know. Um, of course, the lead and the two other gals. Um, no Lena's magic tongue because Lena's not in this. But there was a very nice tongue scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really beautiful, actually. <laughs> Which one was that? When she was licking the nipple. Oh yeah, there's yeah. No, there's yeah, there's a really there. good close-up shot that you remind me. Yeah, during that sequence, yeah, just totally artsy shot of just a close-up of a nipple erect in a beautifully the shape of it, and had the tongue come in. Good call. I totally forgot about that. Um, I'm just fucking stupid to forget about that. Um, <laughs> zooms. There wasn't really a large number of zooms in this. I don't no, think. Maybe yeah. I count just maybe a handful. Yeah. Uh, and then one that Eric had brought up before that I wanted to add to the list: um, mirror shots, because he uses a lot of mirror shots yeah. in his films. This I don't really remember any, I didn't see any. mirror shots. Uh, there's a lot of good shots like down the hallways and that and stuff. Um, there's one really good shot I liked when they went to meet the uh, Grand Inquisitor and went to the cathedral and just some of the outdoor locations down the hallways and that of, of the grounds of the cathedral was oh. some of the most beautiful place I've ever seen. I'd love to find out where that was. Um, but because uh, normally when we record this, we all usually watch the movie with fresh eyes and then I'll do the research after watching the movie. Sometimes I'll do the research before. So now... I'm going to go back uh, and when I do the introduction and research to see where that cathedral was and, and find out all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, so that's one cool thing. So that, intricate. Yeah. yeah. Like some of the locations just like, they just made the scene so powerful. Just and so and like powerful. little things I noticed, like sometimes you'll watch a movie that's supposed to be a certain period date and you'll see like a telephone pole in the background or you'll see like 
a plane flying by or, or yeah. something that they have no control over. And on this, I was looking and like, he had no paved roads. He had no telephone poles, no car, like, you know, 10 blocks in the distance or something. Everything was really great period detail. Yeah. Even like the cathedral grounds was all the tile. There wasn't anything paved. Or I was like looking for that kind of going up, up, no, wow, good. So yeah, a lot of that stuff was really, yeah. he had really, really good on that. Um, yeah. So that, so that's, uh, that on the, uh, the list on that. Um, let's see what, anything crazy. Um, yeah. Um, William Berger is really cool. I kind of read a little bit about him on IMDb. He uh, was like a cool rebel actor and very outspoken. And uh, looks like he was set up for like a drug conviction deal. They like planted uh, a half a gram of hashish on his place. And like him and his second wife went to jail or prison or wherever it was. And she ended up dying behind bars. And then he was let out for it. And then that was like in 71, he was let out. And then this is uh, 76, so it's like five years after that. So you can kind of see where he was distrustful of authority and things like that. So that really added to his layer of an actor in that. Um, but, yeah, and he kind of gives off that Klaus Kinski vibe a little bit. And oh, stuff, yeah. You know? Yeah, super powerful. Yeah. Can you imagine getting arrested and thrown into jail for a half gram of hashish? Half a gram of hashish, dude. That's, like, crazy. <laughs> Lock him up. <laughs> He likes to laugh. <laughs> yeah, okay, now here's another thing. Uh, okay, love letters of a Portuguese nun. What is the love letters? I, it has to be the letter to God, just like her proclaiming her love for God, you know, at the yeah. end. That's the only thing. Because, like I was telling Eric, when I had known of this movie, I, I thought it was an erotic nunsploitation type film. of, and, and, there is, and there is lesbian love behind the behind the covenant walls and such, but... But there's no love letters, I think, just the letters she writes to God and the letters she writes to her mom that gets quickly intercepted and, and used against punishment for her. Um, but, yeah, it was almost like, uh, like um, I don't know, it seemed like it was a le- like a, almost like a title that they were cashing in on a genre that was popular at the time. You well, know? It's a sweet-sounding title. Like, I mean, it's a, it, it sounds like it's going to be a very lovely movie. Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun. Like, you know, it, it sounds peaceful and... Yeah. Well, yeah, he has um, it's opposite. locations. Lo- love letters of Portuguese nun may be short on actual love letters, a letter to mum and a letter to God, being all that Maria actually pins. Perfect. But the film itself is a love letter of sorts to Portugal, to Portuguese architecture, and in particular to Franco's favorite architectural location, the Palacio Conde Castro Guminares in Cascais, C-A-S-C-A-I-S. Several scenes were shot in Lisbon Cathedral. Yeah, okay. So that's really, really cool. Um, oh, here we go. Love Letters Portuguese Nun borrows its title from Les Letters Portuguese, first published anonymously in Paris in 1669. Though widely regarded as a work of espitalary fiction written by a 17th century Count of Guglieres, Gabriel Joseph de la Vergne, the letters are thought to be some, by some to be genuine, written by a real-life Portuguese nun called Mariana Alcoforato. Whatever the correct authorial attribution, Franco's film, as usual, has precious little to do with its declared literary source and instead reconvenes and polishes ideas from Dessaud, chiefly elements of Justine, which I had noticed watching the film earlier, uh, and with a concentrated hostility to the Catholic Church that the Marquise would have embraced wholeheartedly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so 
Uh, last part. The unexpected appearance of the devil echoes a similar moment in Franco's The Demons in 1972, creating a similarly confusing conceptual effect. That's interesting. Yeah, and then he took that from uh, uh, Rosemary's Baby and everything else. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was good. I, I definitely liked Love Letters of Portuguese Nun. Um, very beautiful film. Um, really good performances. Um, a couple of the guards had like more current hairstyles. Um, there's a good scene when she's doing the confessional with William oh, Berger gosh. in the in the in the uh, confessional chamber, and he basically masturbates you know, while she's telling her her like fantasy dream that she had that you know he's going to use against her, and and he actually does. So, it's, man, this movie just had me just so okay. Now that's something that I should bring up. Uh, I, as a person, was really not raised religious, but my friend Eric here was raised uh, religious, yeah, so. Yeah. I'm thinking this hit him a little bit more than it hit me for that God sense and that spiritual sense, even though I'm a spiritual person as well, but I definitely wasn't raised that way as much, you know? Yeah, it was, uh, I just, God, you see the power, you see the power that, uh, the church has over people and, uh, just like the whole beginning sequence, like when she's playing with her boyfriend, like innocence, innocent playing, they're running through the fields, you know, know, just, just playing, they're young, she's 15, he's 17, you know, he tries to kiss her and the priest is right. like creep just watching him and tells her sends him home and then follows her to her house and she's walking just dejected you could just see like she's just like you she you could see like she just feels a sense of in trouble she's in trouble the whole yeah. way she's walking and it's the way he speaks to the mom is just yeah and, and you had brought up this was like really early sex trafficking you know yeah. with, with uh, basically he comes in and basically tells the mother hey you know, your daughter's going to uh, be sent to hell and, and sinful unless you give me a dowry. How much money do you have? And we are going to burn this convent. And if she leaves, we're going to keep all the money that you give us. Even though you have nothing, we're going to take everything from you. Yeah. And we're going to take your daughter and do what we want with her, you know? Yeah. And then, of course, it turns out to be Satanists that run the cov- covenant. And uh, then her daughter gets, you know, taken down. But, uh, but the confessional scene, though, like that was yeah, such yeah. a great scene because there's a... Like she's sitting there, like telling her the priest, like embarrassing, like an embarrassing dream to her, like you know, a dream like she doesn't really want to talk about. And there's a shot where it's shown through the the um, like a cross or the yeah through the the through hole. the through the the uh, partition the, the partition yeah the divider between them. It was a beautiful shot. The way it was shot yeah. with the eyes through the cross and oh yeah, that shot too where, where somebody was looking in and you could yeah. see yeah the eyes through that through the lattice you know. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. And then uh, what, probably my favorite shot was the scene of her laying in the bed, and there's like a sunlight streaking through. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's laying in a red bed, and there's like uh, sunlight coming through the window in front of her, and there's like kind of smoke or a haze that kind of in between her. And, and it's almost like she's in prison looking at the still now. It's cool. I didn't catch that with the, the actual bars across her. She's, you know, because that's what this whole thing is. She's imprisoned in quite a few of the film, which is a really nice touch. Kind of reminded me a little bit of that one scene um, where, God, which okay, which one was that? Um, where the they're in prison and the lady was talking to her on the bed, but you had the woman in the foreground. That oh was, yeah, that was just uh, uh, oh shit. What was it? That was just when we watched. That was uh, Elsa. Elsa, yes, yeah, yeah, the Elsa yeah. One. So it kind of reminded me of that scene a little bit, like the way the lighting was, mm-hmm. you know, through that. Yeah. yeah, no, that was very, very nice of that, and yeah. then. Uh, and then, of course, the de- one thing I did like about the devil is the um, um, hairy hands, you know. They like, kind of match the bush. <laughs> yeah. 
I was going to make a joke too about the devil having hair on his hands. It's like if you do that too much, you'll have hair on your palms, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so no, there's cool shots, and there's the shots of uh, the two women's heads in the vice, which was really a fucking cool shot. One of my favorite shots was uh, when the priest comes up, and this is before she uh, gets raped by the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes up and he's like, "Okay, well, I've decided for your penance, you're going to have to basically." Act out the dream that you told me onto me. Yeah, yeah onto me, you know, and um, he forces her down, and it's an overhead shot. Yeah. And it was really cool the way, because then he, like, he pans down to the window, and to the window is the waves crashing up onto the yeah. to the beach. And it was, like, just as, like, the priest. Plus the timing, too, that, to, like, yeah. time that, and it was a one take from there, and you could see it wasn't, there was no cuts to wait. It went right to the window, and then you could just see the as maybe five seconds went by and the water lapped into the rocks higher and higher, closer up, yeah. you know, to the beach. Like, you know, simulating the priest coming, you know, yeah, it was, yeah. it was pretty cool. It was really cool. Beautiful. Yeah. And it was a really, really good shot. And then, um, I had, I had written down a note too, that I was laughing. One of my favorite lines was, um, Father Vincent says, uh, to, uh, rupture the holy hymen. That was uh, <laughs> my favorite line of his, but, uh, yeah, it was funny. Uh, that's not how you just refer to him anyways? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've always referred to him as he Holy said, Hymens. <laughs> yeah, well, he, had, he said that there was an eruption of the Holy Hymen of her, I guess, or whatever, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, so it's uh, it was good. It was, it was, like I said, really well acted, um, really downbeat. Um, I don't know, not want really to give away spoilers, but there was a nice twist at the end that yeah. we both thought was going to be one way and it went the other way. I was like, all right, cool, man, good job, you know. I'm fucking glad it ended that way. It was like, you know. I just, you felt so bad for this girl the whole yeah. time, the whole time, like what her life had become, like, like as she's getting ready to like be burnt to death, like she's been giving her sentence. And- yeah. Well, no, fuck, I'll just give the spoilers. Yeah. So basically she's getting ready to be set up that way. Actually, if you don't want to hear coming down in three, two, one, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, you've been warned. Okay. So yeah. So she's actually right in the nick of time. She's set up on the stake to be burned. And as the fire is coming in, the prince and his assistant run in and stop the execution. And they save her and they arrest the uh, evil uh, Sister Alma and Father Vincent. And they're, t- and, they're, um, and they're stopped in the chambers with the spears on them. And then it cuts away and that's how it ends. Yeah. Know? Arrested in the church, too. Yeah, yeah. Like really they're arrested cool. in the church. I was like, okay, good. I'm glad the fuckers got caught. And they like, and they took off running. They tried to escape. And they caught him. I was like, good. Evil tried to sneak out and... I'm glad it happened. You know, yeah, so. but it was yeah, it was so good. I was I would have been really sad if it had not ended. It's yeah, yeah, we thought <laughs> that she basically was a virgin. She comes in, she gets tortured, molested, raped, and then set on fire as a witch and killed. And the bad guys get away with it. I'm like, come on, man, that's just too, especially lately, man, with all the news and shit. We want some fucking good guys winning, not evil guys, you know. And faceless last movie I reviewed uh, the the. Uh, the heels go over at the end, so you know the bad guys win. They're saluting, toasting at the uh, at uh, midnight. So yeah. it's nice to see a good guys win on this, and I was I was I was happy that the good guys won. You know, yeah. it's almost like a western, right? It's very end. You know, the sheriff comes in at the very last minute. You know, all right, arrest those guys. They try to sneak off, and they, it was kind of a cowboy ending. You know? It was. It definitely I, was. I kind of thought that just now as, as I'm talking about it. So it definitely was. But uh, yeah, so it was cool, man. I definitely like this. Um, uh, shot in 76, came out in, uh, 77, you know, uh, yeah, so it's good. It looks like it played quite a few places, but that is already heard in the introduction. So, uh, yeah. Is there any other notes or anything you want to bring up? Anything that um, we didn't talk about or? 
I not really, but I just my, I just want to reiterate though that. The, so this was probably your favorite Franco film you've seen, even though each week's like, oh, this is my new favorite. You know? I know, I know. Like it, it's like, man, it's yeah, it, it definitely is probably my probably my favorite. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, this is probably probably my yeah, favorite. and it's your yeah. favorite, and it doesn't have Lena in it either. I know, I yeah, know. That's that's pretty shocking. That's pretty know? shocking. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not my favorite, but I really did like it a lot. Yeah. I thought it was a really, really good film. Um, you know, because, I mean, I used to be more into non-exploitation films. I, I still dig them, but it's not a, a, a genre that I'm as much as I'm into. Nothing personal, just, just kind of got tired of them. Um, and, of course, period detail films, older stuff, is not always one of my favorites. So that's to me, is a little bit yeah. lacking with that. I'm always into more modern things. But, uh, but yeah, but aside of those two beautiful fucking film man it's I, really good and definitely as good as not, I mean it believes it goes up there with like the devils and and those type of you know 70s mark the devil and those type of movies you know yeah definitely belongs up there with those so, yeah I just I just I just she had me mesmerized just because you could see yeah what she was going through the whole time and it, yeah she was the vestige of innocence yeah and it, it really like it it yeah, it bothered me. It really bothered yeah, me. Yeah, I know, I know. You were just, <laughs> it yeah. Bothered. I just kept going like that poor girl, man. That poor girl. Yeah, Eric's like she just wants to be. She just wants to have God's love and like being. Good, you know, just, <laughs> she just wants to be good. Yeah, that's all she wants, man. And they're just like not let her be good. It's just so sad, you know. But, uh, but yeah, you know. In the end, the government wins over religion. <laughs> remember that? No. Yeah, remember the government will always save you. <laughs> yeah, the government will come to your rescue and they'll break up religious cults. Like David Koresh, like no Jim Jones, like no. But yeah, it's basically you know. But yeah, and it's funny too. Like I was telling Eric, I go, it's it's funny that the sex trade trafficking shit like this was going on then, and you know, continued on through the ages with the religion, with the nuns getting you know kids for the priests and stuff, yeah. and then priests molesting kids and everything else, and and the sex and stuff, and it just it's uh, man, it's it's really sad that that stuff is part of the thing, you know. Well, it's like, yeah, once the father, once they were kind of done with her, they're like, after the yeah. devil had already had sex with her, and they're kind of like, all right, well, we're kind of done with her. Let's give her to the Inquisitor. And he's yeah, because like, he they were going to bring like, down their business. Like, okay, well, we got to get rid of her because she's going to fuck up this operation we got. We want to keep doing this. So, you know, we got to, we got to, you know, yeah, cut her loose and, and then the, say that she's crazy and that she's possessed and then she can burn her and then we got ourselves taken care of, you know? Yeah, Inquisitor took one look at her and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we could take care of this one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Put, her in the, put her in the wagon. So, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, and it's cool, too, the guy that played the Inquisitor. He's all very sickly, and his eyes were all glassy, and he kept coughing a lot and stuff. And I thought that was pretty cool, you yeah. know? So, but, uh, yeah, so, no, it was cool. Definitely Eric liked it. I liked it. Um, check it out. Uh, we watched watch it again. Yeah. We watched the Full Moon uh, DVD of it. Uh, we can get it pretty cheap, as the box said, or by itself. Uh, there's also the Ascot Elite Blu-ray, which I may pick up. I'm going to check it out. That's out there. Um and uh, yeah, so those are the two DVD and Blu-ray versions to get out there. Um, and and I recently got a eleven um, lobby card set of the Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun, and uh, yeah, I got that last week, so that was really nice. It's a Spanish lobby card set of eleven cards. One we're looking at now is uh, the scene where she's brought up to be judged to be burned, you know, by the uh, Grand Inquisitor inside the chamber. Yeah, again, like the the chamber, it just. It, and this 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 lobby car almost looks like a painting. 
Mm-hmm. Like it looks like an old fucking painting from like the from that time frame, which is really cool. That's why I put that one up, framed it especially because it's a cool shot. Yeah, locations just add such power to the yeah. scenes. And all these locations looked just like from those times. Like it was nothing built for the movie or nothing. Those were historic, actual, factual places, you know. And that definitely just got the lighting inside those places. And yeah, really, really good, man. I can definitely hold well. So yeah, definitely, definitely A plus, good stuff. So check it out. Love letters of a Portuguese nun that uh, would be film number. 80 and this was 12 of 16 so and this is episode 20 all right 20 in and uh about another 150 or so to go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh let's see how we can do it that'd be awesome i want to take these out before i die fucking complete it you know so, all right so yeah with that being said thanks again for joining us uh this is jason rudy signing off and this is my co-host eric whitwell hey beautiful nights adios